This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the 20th full-time captain in Buffalo Sabres history is none other than Kyle Opozo, who was announced as the team's new captain at a private event with the Sabres and their families over the weekend. Alongside Kyle Opozo, Zemgis Gergensens and Rasmus Dahlin are going to serve as the alternate captains. Really no surprise there at all, keeping the leadership group from last year intact. Opozo and Gergensens were co-alternate captains last year and there was a lot of speculation leading up to this announcement as to who it would be but I think ultimately everybody knew deep down that it was going to end up being a pozo Darlene great to see him also getting a letter here he ended up taking on an A last year in games that Mark Pesek wasn't playing and so then he really ended up you know taking that leadership role and running with it through the rest of last season so no surprise there but definitely a welcome development and potentially positions Dalian as the eventual successor to Opozo depending on how long he ends up remaining with the Sabres for with that being said though Taylor what are your thoughts no surprise here but just generally speaking your thoughts on Opozo and how deserving he is of of this title yeah, I think we both said before that we wanted him to be the the new captain, and it looks like he is. It kind of it tells me a couple of things. First of all, it tells me that they'll probably bring him back on a relatively cheap deal next year. I don't really think it's going to be a one and done thing. I'd be kind of surprised. Uh, then the assistance, uh, you know, it tells us that I think Rasmus Dahlin is continuing to develop as a leader, which is good to hear. Already in his fifth season, which is pretty wild. I can't really believe that. Uh, and also at the same time, if you look at the other assistant captain, it's Gergensen's, which I think some people would be surprised by. He is in his 10th season as a Sabre, in his 10th season as an actual Buffalo Sabre, his 11th season as a professional hockey player, which is ridiculous. So I, I see that that's probably why he's getting one of the A's. I think a lot of people were surprised that there's no Tuck. Yeah. But it is worth noting they just traded for him. Mm-hmm. Tuck has played like, what, 40 to 50 games as a Sabre? It's, maybe it's too soon, and maybe... When one of those guys is gone, I think this is Gergensen's last year of his contract. Um, and if maybe next year that opens up and he's the assistant, I think at some point Tuck will have a letter, but it you know it doesn't necessarily mean anything. All it means is they have at least four guys that they feel pretty good about as a leader, which is good. The stuff matters and setting the tone for young guys matters. So guys like Oposo especially are, are very important in, in doing that. There's especially if we see Savoy and Kulich at some point, there's like seven or eight guys under the age of 23 that are like important for yeah. the future 
potentially important for the future, I should say. So it's it's good to have someone like Oposo around. And shit, even Gergensen's, he's not good, obviously. He is what he is. He's a fourth liner. He's passable as a fourth liner. But is he a good professional? Yeah. And he's a good example because Gergensen's was what, the 12th overall pick, 14th mm-hmm. overall pick? 14, and yeah. He, I'm sure he thought he was going to have a different career, score a lot more points, play in the top six, and it didn't work out. And instead of, I don't know, never adjusting and 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 being and washing out of the league and pouting and kind of acting like his draft year classmate Grigorenko, all he did was work really hard to be a good defensive player, even though his offensive skills never developed. And now look, he has a ten ten year long career, and he's a an he's a good enough piece on this team. You, you know, someone has to be on the fourth line and he, you'd rather have him down there than some other guys we've had in the past on the fourth line. So they, that's a good thing too, because some guys aren't going to live up to their potential, but they can still be a useful NHL player. It's kind of funny with Jorgensen's to think too, that there was a time when he wasn't a fourth line player, you know, and that he was looked to be so much <laughs> more of an offensive contributor than he is now. It just feels in like, 14... he's always bad, which he kind of always has. I mean, I know of yeah. course he had his all-star run and everything, but this is kind of always <laughs> the guy he's been. <laughs> yeah. In 14, 15, uh, I remember my friend at Bonaventure saying, you know, when the Sabres are good, Jorgensen's will be a third line center. I remember thinking like, he's going to be too good to be a third line center, which is ridiculous. Like Jordan Stahl was a third line center. Right. But now it's like, damn, he's very much a fourth liner. And like I said, he's fine at that, but I don't know. It looked like he, not to get into Gergensen's tangent in like 14, 15, when they were terrible, it looked like he was, he was like 21. He was developing a decent offensive game. And then uh, that uh, he went backwards on that one, I would say. And, uh, you know, he is where he is, but he's a he's a leader. And I, he's someone I think of relatively positively, even though he's been around for a horrific era. Yeah, I mean, and I think, too, to the point you alluded to earlier, I think the other side of this is just having a guy like Opozo there. Not only, you know, is it rewarding a veteran in the league, but it also is cultivating the next generation of of leaders within the organization. And that extends beyond Darlene, too. You know, I mean, Tage with the contract now, like he's there's expectations on him. Not that he necessarily is looked at to being a leader, but like, again, he's going to be a key piece of this team. And, you know, you want them to have that you know, you want a guy like that to have some of those leadership traits in him. Dylan Cousins is an obvious one to look at too. Um, you know, he's, he's shown that he's the kind of guy that's all in on this organization and he wants to lead by example and wants to also be vocal too, for as young as he is in his career, which is great to see uh, guys, you know, who have had leadership roles too in uh, juniors and just also who exude other leadership qualities like Peyton Krebs is somebody even who we've talked about before too. Not that, you know, Krebs necessarily would ever end up being captain of this team. I don't think, but he's a guy that maybe he ends up having a letter on his chest someday too, depending on how things go and, and how he ends up continuing to develop and his leadership role expands and whatnot as he gets older. So again, I think it's just, it, it's the smart move for sure. You know, you could have given it to Darlene or to, you know, one of the younger guys and had a Pozo as an A to kind of be there in like a supplementary role. But I think what really makes the most sense here is just giving it to him, letting him be the unquestioned guy on the team that everybody goes to that is going to be there and help them get through the rough patches in the season. And, you know, who has been through it before and has seen the other side of it too. And has seen success in the league as well. So all around, I think it's a, it's a great choice that makes a lot of sense. And is just also well-deserving for the player too. Yeah, for sure. Very happy for 
I mean, everyone involved, really. It's a, it's a lot of guys to be happy for right now. It feels like there's a lot of good dudes around on the team, and Oposo getting named captain after everything he's been through. Good for him. Agreed. Agreed. It's really nice. Uh, so do we want to get to the main part of today's episode? Yeah, I think we should. So ahead of our episode that we're going to be dropping on Thursday, which again, we talked about in our last episode, we're going to be joined by our pals Chad and Anthony from Expected Buffalo to give our divisional previews and go throughout the league and and give our predictions on how each of the divisions is going to end up shaking out at the end of the year. Uh, we wanted to do something a, a little bit more creative and Taylor had a cool idea to tie in his, you know, being a movie expert along <laughs> with being a true. Buffalo Sabres expert as well. <laughs> um, some people say, Taylor, uh, some people say. Yes. So what I wanted to do, because so we did our, our Sabres five predictions, we did our league five predictions, and we will be doing our full preview uh, on Thursday. So what I wanted to do is more of a preview of the division. Obviously, it's more of a concern to us than the other divisions. The Atlantic is. So I wanted to assign every team a movie quote. Uh, to, so first of all, the first thing I'll do is scenes, movie scenes. But I was like, that's way too hard. And me and Brendan aren't really performers in that way. So it might sound stupid. So I was like, I maybe I'll just assign a quote. And I realized halfway through, this seems like some shit Bill Simmons would have done. Uh, but that's what he would have done when he was writing and way but more that's tolerable. Like, that's your essence, though. Yeah, what that's that's Simmons my guy. Do? Yeah, that's that's my guy. So, so yeah, I don't I don't know. That's that's one of the least offensive Bill Simmons things. Doing like a like that's that's honestly admirable. Like you're like doing a lazy gimmick, and you're the most read sports writer in America. Like I would say he was better at the lazy gimmick thing than like Rick Riley or whatever. So I <laughs> I uh, respect that. I don't respect uh, mostly everything else he does, including uh, cheering for despicable sports teams. So enough about that guy. Let's get to this. So I'm going to go backwards, eight to one, in terms of what I think uh, these teams are going to finish. And then I'm going to explain why I signed him this quote and like why that's their vibe to me this year. Okay. And Brendan can say uh, if he disagrees with my placement of these teams. I'm ready. All right. Starting with number eight. No surprise here. I have the Montreal Canadiens. Shocking. Yeah. And I'll say. This is the quote. Maybe you tell me what movie you think these quotes are from. You'll know some of them. Okay. All right. Next time, maybe we don't date the girl with 11 evil exes. It was seven. Oh, that's not that bad. Scott Pilgrim. That's it. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, so Montreal has been, an, it's an interesting couple of years because they seem like they were very much for the last, for, I would say like the 20 17 through 2020 range with 2021 range was just kind of a not free fall but a steady decline like a real nail in the coffin the the price weber era and whoever else is around uh was a failure there's no doubt about it and they had that weird 2020 bubble playoffs where they actually were not that bad even though they probably shouldn't even been in it and then 2021, they make an cr- insane run. They're one of the worst teams I've ever seen make the playoffs, and they were in the Cup. Uh, they were real 91 North Stars energy, but they got crushed in the Stanley Cup. And then I've never seen a team fall apart so fast. Carey Price obviously had his own personal issues. He couldn't play last year, mm-hmm. although he was kind of declining anyway outside of that first three rounds of the playoffs. Shea Weber seems like we'll never play again. Uh, they have both really not great contracts as, as they're getting, you know, heading into their late thirties. And then the rest of the team just fell apart. They, they lost some guys. I, they lost to no, I don't even remember. I didn't, I mean, they just, 
all of a sudden they were shell themselves. And last year they were wire to wire, a horrific team. And mm-hmm. I think halfway through last season, it was easy to look at it and be like, oh shit, are they, are they in the toilet zone for good? Like, are they one of those teams that where you can just look and be like, there's no way in hell they're good within, I don't know, a half dozen years. Mm-hmm. Occasionally that does happen in sports when you go like, oh, they're, they're really screwed. They didn't have good prospects. And then the two guys that they did, people were interested in Cole Caulfield got sent back to the AHL and Nick Suzuki was kind of looking like, eh. So all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, they're in the worst position in hockey. And now they're not in that much better of a position, but things are looking up a little. Cole Caulfield looks better. San Luis seems like a smart offensive coach. Uh, Suzuki had a better second half of the year than first. Uh, it seems like the Price and Weber contracts might just be not an issue because I'm pretty sure they got rid of Weber, right? I know he's not going to play, but I think his deal is in one of those weird trades where he's technically mm-hmm. like a gold knight or something like that, or a, maybe a, I don't remember where he went. doesn't matter. Uh, and then Price, Price might not, also not play, <clears throat> which is fine. I mean, he's kind of, it's sad for him, but that's just kind of the end of him being good, probably. I think 2021 was a real last hurrah for him. Hasn't had a good regular season in years. Uh, so all of a sudden, it's like they can start over. And then on top of that, I haven't even mentioned yet that they got the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one of the reasons I say it's only a little bit better is they still don't have a number one center. <laughs> they drafted Yurash uh, Slavkovsky, very big fellow. We just saw him in person, who will be good, I assume. But we will see on that one on, in terms of how Montreal is. If I was a fan, I'd feel better than I did six months ago. Like, you know, yeah. Hey, maybe next time I don't cheer for the team. That's no way they make the playoffs in the next seven years. And then you're like, actually, it's five years. It's like, eh, that's not that bad. So that's why I put that quote. Uh, do you agree that they're last? Like and do you agree with the vibe? All around, yes. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Great movie. And uh, yeah, they are definitely going to be last. I, right. I think hey. that is maybe one of the most sure things in the NHL. All right. Uh, so moving on to number seven, it is the Ottawa Senators. And the quote is, I found out when it happened that I really like dry humping more. Which is, I'm guessing you don't recognize that quote. Say it again. I found out when it happened that I actually like dry humping more. What is that from? Ladybird. Okay, go on. So Ottawa... Definitely (laughs) had an off season that I think their fans, you know, it's, it's tough. They've had a tough five years. So I think their fans were pretty happy with the fact that they're kind of going for it, quote unquote, because they have a young core, not unlike the Sabres. They have a few young guys uh, and they have an interesting, interesting prospect pool, you would say. Uh, But they're kind of going for it this year. And one move that I think is really good probably is getting Alex to bring cat. And did they just resign him? They just extend him. Yeah. So that's, that's good for them Uh, for not that. I mean, just for what a couple draft picks, right? Something like that. That's not bad. Mm -hmm. And then they sign Claude Giroux. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Three year deal. So they're, I think those are the two main moves this year. And then they're hoping for internal improvement. Oh, the goaltending, they made a goaltending move too, but Cam Talbot is hurt. Yep. And that's what I'm kind of seeing. Like how excited are you Ottawa that you're not, I'm not calling this rushing the rebuild or anything like that. Just calling it, we're ready to compete. That's and fair. are you? Because you they were really a team that was in the low 70s in points last year in a in a conference where eight teams had 100 points. And you added Debrinkat, who I think is good. Great goal scorer. 
that's good. I mean, he can score 40 goals. That's awesome. I wouldn't call him like a 200 foot guy though. Mm-hmm. And Giroux, maybe Giroux's just not uh Giroux anymore. Maybe he's kind of washed. And I don't think usually in your mid thirties, you start to turn that around. We'll see. That's but fair. I think when... there's a, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, no, that's fair on Drew. I mean, it's like when the decline starts, it's very rare that guys are able to snap out of that, even if it's for like a year or two, you know, like there's not many guys who are like Joe Pavelski, I guess we can say. Yeah, that's where they age like that. Yeah, that's the definite exception. Pavelski's yeah, very interesting. The other Um, thing, too, I'll say about Ottawa also is just even though Cam Talbot is out. Anton Forsberg performed admirably for them last year. He was over 500 and had a 917 save percentage. So like. On that Ottawa team, when they've made these improvements and are expected to get a little bit better, to be 22-17-4 and four and a 9-17 save percentage, like that's that's not bad. I agree with you that I'm not very impressed. I'm like just top to bottom, I'm not impressed by them quite yet. And I think that they have something to prove right now before people actually can get on board with the idea of them being a contender. Um, and a lot of that does come down to goaltending. Like, you know, let's see if, Forsberg can hold that hold down the fort while Talbot's out but also what version of Talbot are we going to get because he lost his job to Marc-Andre Fleury and I know obviously Fleury was coming off of a great year with with Vegas but he also wasn't great last year and he couldn't hang on to that job so something something to think about for sure yes Forsberg was good last year that's something I didn't say however as a it was his age 29 season it was only the second time he played double digit games so mm-hmm. I'll never forget Forsberg because one of his first starts was against the Tank Sabres, and he lost. So I was mad at him. That was 2014-15. Uh, he had a 908 last time. His career is a 909. I don't. I don't see him getting like a 917 again. If no, he's like, I don't either. I, but uh, you know, if he's a 908, last yeah. year. so what if you know? I don't know who their backup is with Talbot out. You know, with with him starting and Talbot out, I don't know who the the other guy will be that'll have to play some games early in the season, but. I think you could easily see them having a bad goaltending start. Maybe their guys don't develop as much as they thought. And Giroux looks washed and it's like, we got this anchor for like three years. And Giroux did not look good in the playoffs at all. Like no. he looked old and slow. And I know like other guys lost in the first round. Well, he lost in the second round, but like Crosby Ovechkin, those guys lost in the first round this year. They looked good still. Like yeah. they looked not as good as they used to, but they're aging. Okay. I don't know if Giroux is, and Dabrinkat's good, but what if Dabrinkat just did what he did in Chicago, which is score a bunch of goals on a bad team? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is the team that's supposed to be good. I like the slow rebuild better. Maybe okay. some fans are thinking I agree. that at some point. Do you agree with them being seventh? <sighs> it's just tough. I, I don't know, honestly. I think – I don't know. I think that there's a lot of question marks about Ottawa, Buffalo, and Detroit – and how the three of them are going to kind of clump together to fill out the bottom half of the division. I would, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be surprised if any three of them finished in any like order. I think probably of the three teams, maybe Detroit will end up being the best this year. But I, as we've said, I believe in what Buffalo is doing in terms of the the long-term outlook, you know, for two, three years down the road, I think it'll be Buffalo far and away. Um, so yeah, I would put Ottawa below Detroit for sure. And I think between Ottawa and Buffalo, you know, I could, I can go either way. I'm trying to like, I, 
I know I've seemed like I've with last episode, I had talked about the Sabres potentially finishing second last in the division and everything. And even though I always say it with the caveat of like, I don't think that what Detroit and Ottawa is doing right now or that they're built to be better than the Sabres are being built right now in the long term. Um, I'm just trying to like temper my own expectations about it because I feel like every year there's always a lot of excitement to lead into or to, you know, just in the hype and lead up to the season. And then the season comes around and it's like, Oh yeah, there are those couple glaring holes that are still very present. And I think that's still the case with the Sabres right now. And I just, I do have question marks about Comrie with him being, uh, you know, I think it was the best move that they could have made in free agency. So I'm not trying to say that, but I mean, of course there's like real risk involved there. And then on top of that, like we said too, you know, I I think maybe they're missing kind of like that top end threat among the top six that maybe they don't have right now. Um, And the Sabres don't have a guy, I guess, who can like score to the degree that like the Brinkett can. I mean, I know obviously Tage, obviously but i think that uh you know with kachuk in the mix as well there i you know they're not in the worst position but like i said i think those three kind of can all be interchangeable i'm sorry i rambled there a little bit who do you got next well that actually leads us nicely into the next team it's the sabers all right the quote is shut up you're going to go out there and you're going to finish hell caesar you're going to give that speech at the feet of the pendant thief and you're going to believe every word you say you're going to do it because you're an actor and that's what you do. Just like the director does what he does and the writer and the script girl and the guy who the guy who claps the slate. You're going to do it because the picture has worth and you have worth if you serve the picture and you're never going to forget that again. And that's from Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. All right. Well, give me the lowdown. Why'd you pick that quote? So I think unlike recent, well, the recent rebuild and the, the most recent two uh Iterate, I should say, administrations that were uh, in that rebuild, the the Bodshill and Murray eras. I think the Kevin Adams era, uh, as of now, represents a more full-scale rebuild. Even though both of them kind of talked a big game about that, I think this Adams had a unique opportunity because of how much the Pagulas thinned things out during the pandemic and wanted to to change things with the Sabres, not just not just on the ice and not just in the front office, but I mean everywhere. Totally non-hockey stuff too. So I think what you're seeing is uh, Adam's understanding the importance of everything being good. And I think that's kind of the promise that we got when Pagula bought the team is like, everything's going to be good. And it hasn't really come together yet. So I think what I mean by that is it's not just having depth. Like you want your, you want us to have your stars, your star players, obviously your top six, your top pairing, your power play, a good goalie, all that stuff. But we know that you can't win anymore without real depth. So you have to have four good lines. You have to have six good defensemen. You have to have all team of guys who can put out on the ice and won't embarrass you. And then you want to have always have a decent prospect pool and you want to have a, a good system in Rochester and theoretically two in your ECHL program, if you can do that. So you want to, in that case, you want to have a good AHL squad. You want to, like I said, have good prospects, which means you have to have a good scouting department that's always on the same page. Uh, you want to find the bargains that you can in the NHL, which means that you have to have your, obviously, professional scouts too, but also, like every other team in the league, your analytics guys. And that means you have to have a GM that listens to them all. And at the same time, you want to have a good facility. We will see on that. That is a big, big TBD on the facility stuff. I'm not, no promises or even anything positive to say about that. 
Uh, but that's what it kind of seems like. It seems like a total rebuild in that way and the way they think about things and understanding that everyone's important. So if you're going to win a cup, you're going to have what hopefully Adams is as good as, you know, his job, good enough at his job to win a cup. You're going to have someone like Renato, hopefully is good enough to lead a good team, not just a rebuilding team. You have say someone like Devin Levi in that you have all those people. You need everything to work harmoniously. I hope I use that word correctly. That was beautifully used. <laughs> so that's really what I, I, I think the Sabres are going for. And uh, we'll see. Maybe this is a, a 78 point season and it's not that exciting, but that doesn't mean they're not working towards something still got to get there eventually though. Mm. Well said my friend. So does that lead us into Detroit next then I'm guessing? Yes. So do you, would you agree or disagree? No, I agree. I think you're spot on there. And, you know, to the point about just what they're building and everything, you got to just hope that Kevin Adams is the guy and that, you know, us seeing all these moves and feeling the way that we do about them and, and his tenure to date isn't just us, you know, giving maybe some mindless optimism. And it doesn't feel like that. Like it feels real. It feels like they do know what they're doing. And like you said, he's surrounding himself with the right people that are helping him make informed decisions on what's going to build the best team possible. And not just that, I think also the other side of it too, is like, not only are these smart minds, it's, it's smart minds who have had success in the league. Like, you know, Sam Ventura, a perfect example, like, Carmanos too. Carmanos, like there's cups there. Like there's, you know, the background is there. This the history of success and and building these types of teams is all there. And you know, when like Pittsburgh is the perfect example too, like tying it back in with them of just a team that like similar to how like Tampa Bay is now, where Pittsburgh is always like, oh, so and so is you know playing on the top line with Crosby now and is going to score twenty goals this year. Just having, I guess, like that, where you just kind of have like a consistent pipeline of guys and you're just building that model of success, I guess, that you can just have a a team that, you know, guys can just step in and are going to be able to contribute. So it seems like they're trending towards that. And that's what it's going to take for them to not only just, you know, be a contender, but have it be sustained as well. Yep. All right. So Detroit is who I have fifth here, correct? Mm. A lot of holes in the desert. And a lot of problems are buried in those holes, but you got to do it right. I mean, you got to have the hole already dug before you show up with the package in the trunk. Otherwise, you're talking about a half hour to 45 minutes worth of digging. And who knows who's going to come along in that time? Pretty soon, you got to dig a few more holes. You could be there all fucking night. Any idea on that one? Not holes. <laughs> no, <laughs> not quite. No, it's not holes, but, you know, on the theme. It's a uh, casino. Okay. So... I don't know if this one's clear. This might be the biggest stretch to me though. I was thinking about Detroit and the, the Iserman era administration, I guess you would say it's been a real slow rebuild there too. I think it's interesting uh, because it's hard to know how to time a rebuild because you want Sabres have gone through this problem too, but you want to get a bunch of young guys. You want to hopefully draft and trade for a young core when you're rebuilding, but the Sabres are now, and you also want to surround them with good veterans but you want to, like, let's say you have uh, a year into the rebuild. You don't really want to sign a bunch of veterans and just barely miss the playoffs with a bunch of guys who are, like, 29 to 34. That doesn't seem as useful. Mm-hmm. You want to get another good draft pick, probably, right, in that situation. But then you don't want those guys to be losing forever. You want 
some veterans there. And then at some point you want to, at the right, the exact right moment, be like, we're going to win. Uh, Tampa is a good example of this because Tampa was, st- I don't know. They're in a weird position because they were, they were in, almost in the Stanley cup in 2011 randomly, but they were definitely in the midst of a rebuild still kind of in 12 and 13. They had all these, all these goddamn guys they drafted who ended up being really good in that range. And it was like, they were bad. And all of a sudden in 2013, 14, they were pretty good. And then they're like, we're going for it. And they were in the cup in 2015. They were in the conference finals in 16 and 18. They're the best team in the league and tied the wins record in 2019. And now they've been in three straight cups since then winning two of them. That's the best way to, they nailed it. It's hard to do it right. And then in that case, either you screw the whole thing up or maybe you're not as good as long as you should have been because you screwed up too much at the beginning. So you got to have it right. So basically the connection is when the Red Wings made all these deals in the off season to get these veterans, what they're thinking is you already got to have the whole dog, meaning you got to have your guys. And I think they think they do in cider. And I mean, they have, a, I mean, they have a couple decent young guys and I'm completely yeah. blanking on the guy who also Lucas Raymond, Lucas Raymond. Yes. I always forget about Lucas Raymond for some you do. Reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he's the second best rookie or was the second best rookie in his own team, but also do they have the holes dug? Cause Dylan Larkin's about to be a free agent and who knows if he wants to stay. Yeah. I mean, he's got to make up 30 there. points still. Yeah. He, but like, he might look around, especially if they're not good this year and be like, do I want to win at some point? Yeah. No, that's I mean, and the answer fair. sometimes is no. Matthew Barzell just said no. So <laughs> answered that question. Um, Love that. Yeah. So what do you think of all that? Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I know I kind of went on my little ramble before about just the general grouping of uh, Sabres, Red Wings and, and Ottawa. And I think you're spot on with everything with, with the Red Wings there. I think that they have a chance to end up being good. And I think a lot of it also is just going to hinge on goaltending for them too. And who's going to end up stepping up between the two young goalies that they have on the roster. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, should we move on then? Let's do it. Well, I think before we move on, you know what I didn't do, Brendan? I did not open to see if we have a new DraftKings ad. Well, I think you should do that, Taylor, because <laughs> hockey season is upon us. Football yeah. season is in full swing. Hoops fans are going to be getting ready for basketball season to start when the Celtics are going to overcome all of this adversary to win an NBA championship this year. It's going to be are really they, Are they going to fire Ime, you think? I have no idea, honestly. Yeah, that's been really slowly trickling out, the stuff with him. Yeah. I, I knew as soon as, like, oh, you're long suspension, everyone's like, oh, for, for having an affair, that's stupid. It's like, okay, well, then obviously not. Obviously, it's not just the affair then. I right. Mean, and not that but, it's okay for anybody, but also, like, dude, this guy was married to Neil Long. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, also stupid, but, like, yeah. Anyway, there actually isn't a new one, so let's just get to it. Perfect. <laughs> the, the, the same one. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. So, we have the season coming up. This is the part where I would talk about, you know, odds and different things like that. You know, different games are tough. Individual games in the NHL season, I don't know. So what I really like is a future bet. That's something you can try. And you know what? I think futures-wise this year, you could get decent money on the Penguins uh, over because the Penguins are always a little bit better than people think in the regular season. And then – the playoffs these past few years have not been good for them. They've lost in the first round four times in a row. Regular season, though, 
doesn't matter how old these guys get. Doesn't matter if they have to play uh, Mark Donk and Buzz Fiblet. They're always good. So I don't even know what their over under for points is, but I would take a slight over on that. Anyway, if that isn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. To download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. About $5 on any NHL team to win their game. You get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. Taylor, I have something I need to come clean on or I guess really uh, own up to. What's that? I was all the way wrong about Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. What did you say about him? I said after week one when they came back in the second half and ended up still losing that I thought that they were going to figure it out. And they have not figured it out, folks. How bad are they losing right now? It's uh, it's not good. Mayfield just threw a pick six. Uh, it sounds like him. I really, I, I was really convinced that I don't know what convinced you of that. <laughs> I thought they looked really good in the second half. They were moving the ball well. And it's like, okay, if he's actually healthy now and they can get in a rhythm here, I mean, they have weapons on offense. Like McCaffrey's healthy and he's looked good. You have DJ Moore, like Robbie Anderson. You have some other good young guys there. Their offensive line is pitiful. Don't get me wrong, but I don't even think that they're down that bad. I literally actually think it might be like. No, I, I'm looking at it right now. This is really tough. They right before halftime had the ball with the chance to tie and threw pick six. So they're down 14 at half. Jesus. Yeah. yeah just started the third quarter. That's tough guys. Oh, well, anyway, <laughs> um, let's talk about the top four here as uh, as you can tell, it's going to be not in the same order, but the same top four teams that it's been in recent years. So let's get to the top four here. Uh, as you can tell by who I haven't said yet, it's going to be the same top four teams that it's been in recent years, but not in the same order as last year. So, number four, it is the Boston Bruins. Okay, not surprising. You can't stop what's coming. It ain't all waiting on you. That's vanity. Wow. That is from, Brendan, your favorite movie, No Country for Old Men. (laughs) Of course. So, the Bruins are in a really interesting spot here because – they are still, I would say, at 107 points last year, but they were the fourth best team in the division. They're getting David Krejci back, but the first month of the season, they're going to be without three key contributors, which I believe mm-hmm. is Marchand, McAvoy, and Grelzik. Grel- I don't know say mm-hmm. that guy's name. Uh, I guess two really key contributors and another pretty good guy. And worth pointing out, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are both kind of closing in on 40 years old. So... I wouldn't say you can super rely on them. Oh, also Taylor Hall is going to miss the beginning of the season. Didn't even mm-hmm. think about that one. Yeah. So that's three key guys. And also my dude, MG. So that that is interesting. And I think it's been a few years now of this, this era is really coming for them. Chara left and now he's retired. Tuka Rask is retired and they're not in a terrible, terrible uh, way besides those guys though. You know, they have McAvoy, like I mentioned, he's a young guy. He's, he's good. He's great. So is Pasternak. Those guys are both great. Swayman's okay, it seems like. He might be pretty good. So not in a terrible way. 
but man, are they outmatched when it comes to the top three in this division? And then when it comes to the future, I think pretty much every, well, I don't know about Montreal yet. Like I said, let's wait on them a little bit. The other three teams though, that were five, six and seven last year, they are coming for them. Mm -hmm. This happens to everyone. Eventually you can't outrun death. The team that outran it the longest was Detroit. You know how they did that? It's, it's simple. It's not, it was two moves basically. This is why they had a second dynasty, more or less, because they drafted Zetterberg and Datsuk. That's it. Yep. If they didn't do that, they wouldn't have had the second run. They would have started to peter out in like 2005 or six or something like that instead of 2016. So I'm sorry, that's not Pasternak and McAvoy and also Pasternak contract year. I know hockey players love staying where they are and they hate moving their stuff and Boston doesn't tend to lose big free agents. They trade great players away. That's usually their MO. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really interesting time for them. I, I, and I, and I, maybe they're looking around the league and they're thinking like, saying us anymore, man, look at how fast Tampa is. Look at, look at how much Toronto scores. Look at, I mean, look at how much Florida scored last year. Yeah. Like, Buffalo even scored above two goals a game. <laughs> that was huge. That's <laughs> can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they, you know, maybe you look around and go like, that's it. And oh, I'm not going to spoil the end of no country for old men, but they do what Tommy Lee Jones did. And then it just, then they wake up and have a boring life at home. So that's my uh, thoughts on the Bruins. I think, and I also think it's worth noting that in the past nine post seasons, They've only advanced out of the second round once. Now they went to game seven of the conference. Sorry. Game seven of the Stanley cup final that year, which is great, but they, a lot of, uh, especially recently, a lot of first and second round losses. Yeah. I think the writing is on the wall for them. And I think that, you know, I will say though, having Patrice Bergeron as your top line center and still being able to perform at the level that he does. And then, Again, just like the high end talent that they have in Pasternak and and Marchand, and eventually when McAvoy comes back, and if they get okay goaltending, you know I, you have to think they're looking in the mirror and understand that, like you're saying, they're not any of those other teams in terms of like the depth and the speed and everything like that. But they have enough that they could stick around and maybe make noise in the playoffs if they sneak in in a wild card spot, just because it's Boston, you know. Yeah, I I do think that, I mean I think they're going to make it still, but. Yeah, I think it's honestly, I think it's going to be another first round exit in all likelihood. And oh, Bergeron, yeah, I like agree. Said, yeah, Bergeron's still great. That's honestly kind of it, it's an interesting thing for them. Like he won the Selkie last year. He was as good as he's ever been. Like he's he was basically prime Bergeron. Yeah. And they lost in the first round and they were the fourth best team. They were clearly like the sixth or seventh best team in the East. I don't know, man. It's that's it's it's uh it's, it's coming for them eventually. Absolutely. Hell, it's already here, I think. Yeah. All right. Should we move on then? Let's do it. All right. Number three, Tampa Bay. Okay. I want to see every single one of you work your fucking asses off until you puke your guts out. <laughs> this is not fucking baseball. Do you recognize that? What's that from? I think you've seen it. It's Probably. from Goon. From Goon, okay, yeah. Yeah, from the original Goon movie. Haven't seen uh, it in a few years, but yes. So, uh, what does that mean to them, the Lightning? They work hard, obviously, and everything's gone well for them. 
And I think you can uh, do the comparison that the coach from Goon did there. Uh, especially if you look uh, just over to neighboring St. Petersburg, you see like this is a team that has stars that stay with the organization, that the organization doesn't try to dump off on someone else as soon as they get expensive, that you know will be in there, be in the Hall of Fame someday. Some of them, and other ones will be in the, you know, whatever the Lightning call their Hall of Fame jerseys and the rafters, all that stuff. Career Lightning players to play in front of packed packed crowds all the time excited fans great culture they really even though they're a 90s expansion team they built a a great culture in a non-traditional market and they have a real solid passionate fan base as you would expect after three cup but four cup appearances jesus five total and then three they've actually won championships so that's why they're not like let's say the baseball team in the tampa region so is this was this uh, quote done because I couldn't think of anything for the lightning and I just wanted to make fun of the rays? Yes. Perhaps. yes. Okay. RIP bozos. <laughs> Better luck next year. Maybe, maybe next year, maybe trade like Wander Franco for like four pitching prospects and, and maybe you'll be back. Who knows? And congrats on your efficiency. Wow. The most, the least money spent per win. Can you believe it? You have any more you want to get out about them? No, you know, okay. I don't want to talk about them at all because they're done. Anyway, uh, do we want to go to number two or yes. do you want to do you want to comment on Lightning being three? I think it's interesting putting them there. I mean, I think a lot of people we know are high on Toronto. Uh, obviously, you know, Florida got a little bit worse, but, you know, they ended up still bringing on Matthew Kachuk, who is, I think, going to be a real difference maker for them as he was for Calgary. And. When it comes to Tampa, I mean, again, like at some point, like they're going to have to fall off. Like they can't just keep making it to the cup and conference finals every year. And I think, you know, if there's a time for it to happen, not that their window is closed by any means, because if even if they, you know, maybe they have a second round exit this year, they very well could be back and are built and set up to be back any of the next handful of years with the way that they have it built and the balance between youth guys currently in their prime and guys maybe, you know, towards the end or in the twilight of their career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting having them three. Um, well, let me ask you this though. Yeah. Have they not been three the last two years? I would have said two. Were they three or two last year? Wasn't Toronto the home team in the first round or am I mistaken? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think they were, had... they were definitely three in the bubble year. They were in a different division though. Obviously I don't say whatever the bubble year, whatever you call yeah, it. That's what I mean. But I just, in terms of like the makeup of the, of the Atlantic right now, I could be, I could be wrong, but I thought last year they were third. Yeah. They were third in the division last year. They actually were almost fourth. They're only three points ahead of the Bruins. Yeah. So they've been third the last two years. That's what I was kind of getting at. I think they're not a team that, not that they don't value the regular season, but they know they don't have to own the regular season. Right. That they are more concerned about the playoffs. And plus now they've played a billion extra games compared yeah. to some other teams. No, that's fair. Years. So, so that's kind of why I have them third. I know that they're going to be good and they'll be there. Of course they could win the division. It's not like they couldn't, but I don't think they're that concerned about it. I just, and I don't know if you're going to have Toronto second or first, but I just think that there's a lot of question marks in that for them. That, make me want to lean towards Tampa because they just, they really need Ilya Samsonov to work out. Mm. I, don't, I don't think you can trust Matt Murray. 
we're we're gonna get there. Don't worry. All right. Number two, the Florida Panthers. I saw my life without you. I wish you could have seen it. It was beautiful. I know you know this one. Oh, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. That's correct. There you go. Most recent movie on here. Yeah, it's uh, this is about Jonathan Huberto. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was thinking about Florida because they, in some ways they kind of feel like a recent, but this feels like not that long of an era, but in some ways it kind of is. Uh, Huberto and Barkov, Huberto was drafted in 2011, I want to say. Is that correct? 2011, yes. 20, yeah. And then Barkov is in the 2013 draft. And those guys have been there together now uh, for quite a while, almost a decade. And they, this was the, what they topped out at so far. It was their first series win together. And they got spanked in the second round by Tampa Bay. So it's kind of a, an interesting thing because they actually, they, like they won the division in 2016. That was more than six years ago now. And they had these years where they missed the playoffs a few times. They made the, the weird bubble playoffs and lost in the play-in, whatever you would call that. Last year they made it, but they lost to Tampa. This year they make it, not only did they make it this past year, last year they were, the elite, the, the best scoring team since the 96 Penguins, I think. They were awesome. They have all these comebacks. They win the President's Trophy. They're the best team in the league. And it wasn't just that they lost to Tampa. It wasn't just that they got swept by Tampa. They didn't even look good against Washington. They did not look good in the playoffs, period. And in the offseason, they knew that they had some moves to make. Can't keep everyone. And they traded Huberto and Uyghur for Kachuk. They got younger. Yeah. I, th- I like the move, actually. I think Kachuk is awesome two-way player, but it is in, uh, kind of a wild move. And it's kind of a wild thing to do after that season. Huberto is their all-time leading scorer. He's their all-time leader in assists. He's their all-time leader in games played for the franchise. It's not a good or prestigious franchise. It's not all that old of a franchise. It's about 30 years, uh, but still like the, I mean, that, that's, that's a really, really huge swing to make. And I think it's kind of funny of them looking at Matthew Kachuk and being like, Let's just do that instead of our all-time leading score. And shit, I think a lot of teams would make the same move, but it's pretty bold. Bold like a woman who's traveling through the multiverse saying that she saw her life without her husband and it was so great. I wish she wishes he could have seen it. Mm. Mm. So I know well you disagree said. with Florida being second, I would say. Well, yes. Uh, I think that I can get down with thinking about it further like i haven't i mean i've been beginning to think about it but i haven't really sat down to do like full prep for the episode on thursday but i do conceivably think uh i could see a world where toronto finishes second for sure over tampa but i don't know if they're gonna be able to win the division this year i mean if they did i think that would make it even more beautiful when they lose in the first round but like you said i think the move to bring in kachuk is gonna be a really good thing for them in the long run, obviously just like getting younger like that and getting a guy of that quality. I mean, how many times have you and I talked about Matthew Kachuk on this podcast that there's really not anybody in the league who can do what he does even that close to the level at what he does. And just in terms of, again, like his two-way presence, scoring prowess, his physicality, the the bite that he brings in his game, there's really nobody of that level right now, you know, in the league and especially of his age, like among his peers. And so it's a great move. I'm very curious to see how we've, t- and we've talked about this recently too, what the the breakdown of their lines are going to look like. And 
I think on top of, you know, the existing guys that we know of there between obviously Barkov and Reinhardt, um, Carter Verhage, you know, Anton Lindell had a great rookie year for them, for them last year. How is he going to continue to develop? Like, is he going to turn into a legit second line center this year for them? Like, is that what he's, he's ready for right now to step into that role? I don't know. I mean, you also have Reinhardt there that gives you flexibility to play him. I mean, the guy Reinhardt played, uh, he had great obviously power play one minutes for them but he was playing in a lot of situations and in a lot of games on the third line and still played at over a point per game pace for them so they have the ability to have legitimate star play drivers on each of their top three lines if they ended up did deciding to break it up break up like their core three there with Barkov Reinhardt and Kachuk and so I think that there's a lot of ways that they can go with it but I, I like them to be a new uh, a different version of them that maybe you know maybe we see another move even though they've been just like hemorrhaging draft picks maybe we see them make another move if possible or maybe spencer knight is ready to step up and that's an unexpected surprise for them too um i just think that i I think i like florida better than toronto this year because of like i said a a lot of that i think just goes back to the question marks when it comes to uh, goaltending and in defensive, uh, how the defense is going to hold up for Toronto. I know they're better positioned this year than they have been in years past, probably in any year of the of the Matthews era. But you know, we got to see how it's going to hold up over a full eighty-two game stretch and how that defense is going to be able to either support Murray or Samsonov. So I will let you get to number one. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And what do you got for your quote? I had this dream. The dream starts out and I'm here. It's not day or night. It's sort of a half night, you know, but it looks just like this. And I'm scared. Like, I just couldn't tell you. You're there in both dreams. You're over by the counter. And I get even more scared when I see how frightened you are. Then I realize what it is. There's a man in the back of this place. I can see him through the wall. I can see his face. I hope I never see that face outside of the dream. That's it. That is Mulholland Drive. There's and, a 0% chance I would have guessed that. And what happens directly after that is the guy walks around to the back of the diner and sees the man with a terrible face and immediately has a heart attack and dies, which is just an extended metaphor for every first round playoffs of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So wow, that's it. Beautiful. Do you think that they're going to be looking at another uh, first round exit this year? Oh, I do. Yes. So the reason I think they're going to be fine um, I think someone, I, I guess I kind of agree with him on this. It's Dom Location from The Athletic. He had his power rankings of the teams, and he graded basically every aspect. And he had their goaltending at a D plus, and he still had them as the best team in the league in the regular season. And I look at it like their goaltending sucked last year. Their goaltending was bad. They had 115 points anyway. So, like, I think, I think they'll be fine because I think their defense is actually solid. Like, they play good team yeah. defense. They play – they're good in the power play. They score a ton. They have – the MVP last year. Uh, so I think they're going to be fine. Not fine. I think they'd be really good. Uh, but what's going to happen when they, you know, you get to the first round and they're playing in this situation, they could be playing Boston. They could be playing Pittsburgh. I mean, it really depends if they, uh, they have the best record in the East or not, but shit. What if they're just playing Boston? They're going to terrify them. I mm-hmm. mean, most of the guys on the team that were there and not even just 18 and 19, but some of these guys, no, none of these guys are there in 13. What am I saying? But shit, it's going to scare the fans to think about 2013. Mm-hmm. 
that's my thoughts on the the Atlantic Division, basically. Very interesting. Very interesting. We'll have to see how your thoughts line up with what Chad and Anthony have to say on Thursday as well. Oh, yeah. Taylor, do you have any recommendations that you'd like to give? Yeah, I. You know what? I have something that's kind of like a uh, if you're looking for a, a fun Halloween movie, we're three weeks away on Monday now that we're talking uh, or it's not now that you're listening to this on Monday, we're three weeks away from Halloween. Exactly. So in those three weeks, if you're looking to go to the movies to see something scary, I can recommend a couple of things for you. Number one would be barbarian. If you can see barbarian, I would do that. Definitely. Uh, Halloween's out this week. That's always fun. If you like the Halloween movies, uh, there also would be pray for the devil, which would be out closer to Halloween. But if you're looking for just a, just a good time, kind of a, a, a fun, easy, breezy one. That's also pretty spooky. Smile. Smile is a pretty good time. I watched it on Friday and I had a nice time. It looks very, very creepy. It is pretty creepy. Good viral marketing though, right? Mm-hmm. They did a good job with that. Absolutely. Is it like a they get possessed and they smile or what is the Um basically it's like a this is not really a spoiler because it, it's the premise of the movie. It's basically like a demon that does a chain of more or less murders but when you are when it's attached itself to you basically it takes over a person you know person dies uh then you watch it and it attaches itself to you and it can it basically can uh morph into people in your life that you recognize and then they'll just start smiling that big creepy smile and then you'll know it's like oh it's not that person it's the demon jesus yeah no thank you (laughs) i think i'm gonna pass on that yeah, pretty spooky. Very. Sounds like it. All right. Well, for mine, I uh, I definitely remember a few months back, or maybe it was even just during last season, I recommended a, I think it was either the album or a couple, like a song from the album. But uh, I wanted to, for my recommendation today, do a song by Haim, great band, Three Sisters from California, major Fleetwood Mac influence there. And I couldn't remember if I, if, I did their most recent album, Women in Music Part 3, or if I did a song off of it, I might have honestly even done both. So I'm going to do two songs from that album. It was Grammy nominated for Album of the Year. Um, Gasoline and The Steps. The Steps sounds literally like straight up like a Fleetwood Mac song. And Gasoline is a very cool, slower, kind of like mid-tempo, really nice ballad. So check out those two. Haim is really great. Big, big fan of Haim. They're wonderful. Who is your random Sabres player? Mm, that's a good question. I'm going to go with uh, Drake Kajula. Wow. All right. I'm going to go with Jim Lorenz. Oh, that's a good one. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you, everybody, so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows on both networks and make sure you're following both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. Make sure you're giving us a follow as the new season is about to kick off. We're going to be way more active on social media so follow along as we'll be live tweeting games and doing all those fun contests and whatnot so make sure you're keeping up and make sure whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode you also are leaving us a nice rating and are either following or subscribe to us last but not least make sure you're checking out our sponsor DraftKings and using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals once again everybody will be back with our full season preview featuring Chad and Anthony of Expected Buffalo 
on Thursday. Have a great start to your week. This has been Straight Up Sabres.